listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, you're back on Animals Party on Pet Life Radio, and I'm your host, Deb Wolf, and I guess I'm also your guest today, a little bit schizophrenic. I'm both. It's just me going solo talking about dogs by special request from Mark. He wanted to hear me just talk about dogs, and later on this summer, I'm going to do a whole show about cats. So if you love cats, actually, as I sit here downstairs in the kitchen making this show, I can hear a ball just rolling across the ceiling because my cats are trying to wake my kids, and I'm really hoping they don't succeed because <laughs> I really want to do this show without the kids. It's summertime, and the kids are home, and the dogs are kind of getting used to everybody around. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about what you got to do when you're heading back to school. But I'm also going to talk just what's been happening lately. There's so much. And I brought out my giant encyclopedia of dog. And I thought, well, this is before. I made a list of all the things I want to talk about today. And the list kept growing, growing, growing. But before I made that list, I took out the encyclopedia of dog. And I thought I would just Dr. Doolittle style. Remember that old movie? I thought I'd just flip it open, see whatever breed I got to and talk about it. So maybe tell an anecdote about a dog I knew that fit that breed that did something funny or quirky or odd or silly or stupid or strange. But I might get to that. I might. I've been doing dog training a long time, and I run a really busy kennel called Camp Good Dog. You can check it out on Facebook. And right now, if you check it out, you'll see our our puppies that were born June 1st. They're gorgeous. There's nine of them. One's leaving on Sunday. Yep, they're red puppies and apricot puppies, and they're tiny and they're beautiful. The most of them weigh about six pounds right now. They only weighed two pounds two weeks ago, so they grew a lot. But two weeks ago, when eight of them weighed two pounds, one of them weighed six pounds. So that one's going to be a big one. He's going to take after Grandpa. Anyway, if you want to see the cute nine puppies rolling around and doing funny things with their mom and their auntie, check it out on Facebook, Camp Good Dog. But I also want to talk about something in the news, which is Justin Bieber. Oh, no. Oh, no, say it isn't so, not Bieber, too. Well, yeah, I'm kind of disenchanted with the Biebs because of his monkeying around in Germany. And you all know what I'm talking about. I have a great customer who came all the way from Panama to buy a puppy. She can't get standard poodles in her own country. She can't get it in the two countries nearby. She happened to be on a trip to Canada, and she figured out a way to get a puppy exactly the right age so it could travel in a cage under her seat. She figured out a way to get all the documents, get the international official document, because the puppy's already vaccinated and healthy, but we have to go back to the vet. We have to do all this. The dog has to be flown within a certain number of days of being examined, and the documents have to be couriered in our country to Ottawa, to the capital, and then back again to the, uh, the consul of um, Panama, so the office here. <laughs> and this woman had to do all this running around and everything, has no car, doesn't really know the city, making her way, an American woman in Canada, to get this standard poodle, okay? That's the kind of running around you do when you're bringing a pet for travel, when you care. And this isn't even her pet yet, and she's already so attached to the little puppy that I'll be taking to her on Sunday. So, yes, we will have a standard poodle from Canada, representing in Panama. If you see a red poodle in Panama, a big red poodle, that is from me. <laughs> okay. So anyway, that is the way you do it. Now, Justin Bieber, who has throngs of staff and at a push of a button could have had anything done paperwork-wise or even better pet-sitting-wise, decided to take his monkey, Molly. You shouldn't have a monkey. 
Monkeys belong with their parents, especially monkey babies. They're only cute when they're two and under. By the time they get to five or eight, they're mature sexually. They want to mate, and they start attacking people. It's a very bad pet for most people, really. So, okay, Molly. Molly there gets abandoned in Germany because he doesn't do any of the paperwork. Nothing. So Molly's been the property of the German government. Molly's gone through rehab, basically, detox, sort of. You know, she's learned to be a monkey, just like that one that was adopted in uh, the Ikea parking lot, rescued from a woman who had it in a designer coat and had left it in the car. You know, the government, when they take over these animals, these animals are kind of half not able to deal with their own kind. And so it takes some time. They have to be socialized. They usually have to have like a mother figure. They need a lot of care. And then they act out sometimes. Anyhow, this one is finally okay. And he's been in the shelter and all that's good. But it costs them $1,500 to deal with this monkey. And because of the fines in Germany, go Germany on this one, Bieber owes four times that. So I say they go for it. They go for it. Come on, get the money out of the Beeb. He can afford it. And then maybe it'll teach him a lesson. Shame him. He's got to learn not to take his monkey or any other pet. The Bieber's not the only one who's done this. I remember a few years back, I felt really sorry for Howie Mandel. And uh, another Canadian. Oh, I'm talking about Canadians today. Justin Bieber, Howie Mandel. <laughs> Anyhow. Canadian. He actually, Harry Mandel grew up, he's a little bit older than me, but he grew up very close to my area. He went to high school with my brother at the same time. And he used to be known for just cracking people up wherever he was. He was very funny even then. But, uh, oh, and he had huge hair. Now he's bald. Anyway, Harry Mandel tried to take his chihuahua to Hawaii, an old chihuahua, like ancient. I can't remember if it was 20, but close. And uh, didn't do the paperwork. And Hawaii is an island with very, very strict quarantine rules. So uh, he was quoted in the media at the time. He was very angry and upset with the whole thing. But you know what? You got to do your homework. It's for the good of all the animals and yours especially. Okay, one more story about quarantine that I don't really like. Kepler, a lovely golden retriever. And I knew him as a puppy and I knew him as an adolescent. And then right when he was about maybe 10 months old, the owners took a job. Great owners. But they took a job in Australia, which meant Kepler had to stay with me for a few months. And that was all right for Kepler. He was great. He loved the pond. He loved the other dogs. He loved the comings and goings. He sort of acted like he ran the place. But, you know, he was good. And then he got sent to Australia and put into quarantine. And things went pretty bad for Kepler from there because the people didn't like their placement. And they ended up deciding pretty quickly to turn around and come home. So Kepler basically went through quarantine for a very long time. And then ended up being shipped again and going through something not quite as severe, but something on this end as well. And then finally ending up with me again the next time they were on a holiday. And Kepler was not the same dog. It took me quite a while, visit after visit after visit, to get him back to close to where he used to be. And that's partly because he just wasn't getting any stimulation activity at a time when he was just so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready to learn things and experience things and play. You know, when he came back, if you threw a ball, he would cower. When he left, he was a fetch dog. So it took quite a while. And I don't think anyone heard him. I just don't think he'd seen a ball for a while. You know, he... uh, He wasn't hand shy. He wasn't actually object shy. I mean, I tested it. It's just too much, too much for too young a dog. It wasn't their fault. And then, you know, I mean, after a couple of years, he did calm down a lot and he turned into a great dog at the end. But you don't want to scramble up your puppy. If you can avoid flying with a pet when it's very young, if you can buy local and not ship, if you can take a trip, because sometimes it's cheaper, take a trip and fly it under your seat. 
in the little crate. That's not going to traumatize it. Same as if you drive. If you drive with your puppy and you stop every once in a while and you pet it and cuddle it, that's not going to traumatize it. But putting it in cargo for a long, long haul when it's an infant, it's just been separated from its mom and its siblings, not a great idea. Not a great idea if you want a confident, healthy dog and, and really not that kind. So if you can avoid it, I would suggest that. And in general, you know, traveling with pets can be overrated. I mean, I've gone camping, some amazing trips. I had this wolf cross and we went camping once in this place called Tofino in the northern, well, to me as a southerner in Canada, it's the northern tip of Vancouver Island, but it really isn't. But it's in, it's in the north of Vancouver Island and it's on a bluff sort of and it has amazing views and shocking storms and ocean and islands all around. And we took this little day trip, me and the dog, on a boat where they were supposed to drop us off at this beautiful place with ruins and, and um, like a native site and a path to this hot springs, natural hot springs. Well, anyway, the boat guy forgot us there. And me and the dog had to hang out for a whole night with no supplies. We were fine. He was fine. But uh, the hot springs were hot. It was all right. Actually, it was more than all right. That's another story for another day. But, you know, so sometimes travel can be amazing with animals. And I wouldn't have wanted to do that trip without him. God help me alone on that island in the woods with the wolves and everything else that I would imagine. But, um, well, I will tell you, some native kids came over and hung out with me, played guitar, sang songs, brought me shrimp. We steamed them in the hot springs. It was so fun. I had the best night. And uh, my wolf, he just killed stuff. You know, <laughs> that's what they do. He went off and killed squirrels and things, and he was fine. He didn't really need the dog food that I would have packed if I'd known we'd been going overnight. But, uh, but yeah, and uh, it was really fun. We had such a good time. And then the, the guy came back for me and was really sheepish about it the next morning. He said he just forgot. So, yeah, um, no cell phones back then either. And I certainly wasn't in range. But there are other trips where you go, like when I used to travel with my bad dog tour, and I would be loaded up with dogs, show dogs, you know, dogs that would do tricks on stage and stuff. And I would take the bad dogs from the audience that had won contests and train them in front of people and show them there's no bad dogs. Look, your dog's a good dog. But uh, I would often find myself bored, wetless in these places, places that I wanted to see. I so wanted to go out for a nice dinner. I so wanted to explore some great nature site or check out the, something local or just hang out, you know, on a, on a busy street. But I would have four dogs with me in some place that was scorching hot in summer. And there's no way. I had to stay with them in air-conditioned hotels and take out food. And, you know, it can really limit your holiday for that one hour on the beautiful dog beach in Oregon. You could be stuck. You could be really stuck missing out on stuff. So it's worth it. If you are going to travel somewhere with your dog, check out daycare and kennels and things like that. So, you know, when you're attending the wedding or something like that, you have something for your dog that doesn't stress you out. And, uh, and you're not missing out on things or one person doesn't have to stay back all the time. That, that totally sucks, too, unless you have a difficult to get along with teenager who volunteers. But, um, yeah, so that's not my case. My case, my kids are smaller, and we would all have to go together. So we don't travel with dogs anymore. We travel just to me and the kids now. Okay, so best is to leave your pets at home, especially if they're old or sick or really young or not used to it or don't have the right climate or coat match. All right, so I've told you a little bit about that. I've got so many things on here to cover. Well, I'm going to think about what I'm going to talk about, send you off to commercial break, and you'll be back. As you know, I'm a dog trainer. I'm also three-time winner of Best Pet Radio in America, and usually I have a guest. 
I am going to be booking Sue Bulanda in the future to talk about scenting dogs and how they work and how they think and how scenting works, how a dog finds something, how it remembers what it sniffed and then finds that smell and, and why your dog, if you have a dog that fetches, why it always seems to search for things the same way. You talk about that and uh, with Sue in the future. But today we're going to stick to some topics I like to cover. Jack Russell's and ping pong balls. That's coming up next. Stay tuned to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with Deb Wolf. Don't leave this party before it's over because the best is yet to come. Only losers leave the party early anyway. Party on. Back in a few. Your dog digs a hole under your fence. And the next thing you know... Protect your pets with Dig Defense, the amazing new product that keeps your pets in the yard. Dig Defense is safe, fast, and easy. Each unit is made from 4-gauge galvanized American steel and can be used for repairing digouts, filling gaps, or to hold fences down so pets can't get under them. Dig Defense provides peace of mind that your pets are contained humanely and safely. Visit digdefense.com today. D-I-G-D-E-F-E-N-C-E.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. You're, you're, you're inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. Hello. You're back on Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with Deb Wolf. Got so many things to talk about. So many things. Oh, my kid was talking to me the other day. My little eight-year-old girl, and she said, we were driving the car, and she was sitting on one side, and my son was sitting on the other, and in the middle was Noodle the Poodle. Canoodle is his real name. And he'd just come back from the groomer, but these people who bought the puppy wanted to meet him, so I had to rush and get him, load him in the car, and drive over. And he was sort of half sitting on one kid and half lying on the other kid with this gleeful expression on his face, you know. And we're driving along with the windows open, listening to music, heading to the ice cream parlor, because that's where we'd arranged to meet them. And uh, so my kids would be busy while we did the little meet and greet with the dog. And, um, and my daughter said, you know, what I don't understand, Mom, is how you train dogs you don't know. And she was very astute on this. She said, you know, with Noodle, he loves me and I love him, so he wants to do what I tell him. And when I stand on the other side of the jump or something, he'll jump over because he wants to be with me. But how do you do it with strangers' dogs? And I thought, that was a very clever question. And so I explained it to her. Well, the first thing I do when I meet a dog is I get him to like me. That's the very first thing I do. And then I show him that I understand him and that he can communicate with me, that there's a give and take here. Because most dogs are so used to people just not getting it, that they sort of walk around, la, 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 with the soundtrack in their head. A lot of untrained dogs, bad dogs, the dogs you think of as naughty, because they just think no one's ever talking. They don't bother to listen, because they don't think you're saying anything <laughs> worthwhile. And the second you show a dog that you're actually, you know, do this, you'll get this. Do this, you get this thing you want. For example, the dog wants to get to the park, and you're walking it, and it's pulled its owner to that park every day for the last seven years. And it, you know, they tug a war. The owner says slow, and the dog says fast, and the owner says slow, and off they go to the park anyway. Okay, I come on the scene. Within a minute, the dog is like, wait a minute. If I walk nicely, you take me to the park? And if I don't walk nicely, you don't? Well, all right then, I'll walk nicely. And then a minute later, the dog's looking at me like, hey, this is pleasant. Oh, I like this. I like this a lot. <laughs> And then I start throwing some challenges in it. Sometimes I already throw challenges. If the dog is really smart or really high energy, I'll throw challenges in right at the start. Mix it up. So he's like, what, what, or what? Because he's used to the, I want to go faster. No, slow down. 
go faster, slow down, go faster. He's used to that argument. And when I start pivoting, going around a car, going the wrong way, he's like, what the, what are you doing, lady? And he, bingo, he's paying attention. What am I doing? I'm leading you. You follow? We're all good. And the dog says, wow, you're a good leader. I'll follow you anywhere, lady. And he starts looking at me. And then I start, you know, backward steps, sideward steps. Some he can't, he can't predict. He's like, wow, this is fun. This is cool. I knew you were going to do that. I'll try and match you this time. Now I've got a dog that looks like a trick dog. I could do anything with this dog. Get him to go through my legs, get him to jump over me, get him to go through a hoop. I mean, we're done, really. Now we can do anything. He's listening. Because they're so, so smart. So... Oh, yeah. And the other thing my, my kid was noticing, my son actually, the other day, was he said if they're both retrievers, because he was watching one of our standard poodles and one of our golden retrievers, how come they don't both fetch all the time? And what he meant was the golden retriever, who's now about 11, will fetch till she drops. She'll fetch till she's limping. She will just fetch and fetch and fetch and fetch and fetch. One time years and years ago when she was a mating female, in the middle of labor, she ran outside and came back in with a tennis ball. She is a fetchaholic. That's what I describe her as. Now, she's not a nuisance. She's not OCD about it. But if given the opportunity at all, she will fetch anywhere. Out of water, in water, for you, for me, for anybody, anytime. So that's her personality. Now, my poodles, you throw the ball in clean water or on land. See, they're picky about where they swim. Golden will swim anywhere. You throw the ball, and they'll get it for you the first time. And they'll get it for you the second time. The third time, they'll look at you like, if you want this, why are you throwing this away? <laughs> the fourth time, they'll look at you like, shoot a duck, we're in business. Until then, forget it. And they won't even pick it up. Now, the same poodle, though, if you were to hide the ball, make it trickier, or mix it up a bit, he'll keep fetching all day. The problem is, he's just too smart for this game. He just won't do it over and over and over. He's bored. He'll show you he can do it, and now he wants to move on. So it's a little different style of retriever. But you shoot a duck, they're both going to get it fast. And the standard poodle will get it in colder water. Now, that always surprises people. They say, what do you mean? He's a, he's a working dog? Yes, he is. A few years ago, a team of newbie, never run it before, with a new musher, standard poodles, completed the Iditarod. And I saw some pictures, I saw some footage, and I got to tell you, the one thing I noticed the most was all the other dogs look so darn serious. All the other dogs look so intense, almost aggressive. You could hear them like kind of scrumming when they stopped and when things weren't going their way. And the poodles, the poodles were prancing. The poodles look like reindeer, Rastafarian reindeer. The poodles look like they were having a very good time. And they were not barking and quarreling with each other. Of course not. In my pack here, I have five dogs personal dogs. And um, because I breed golden doodles and standard poodles, I have two boy standard poodles and uh, a retired one and a golden retriever retired. And then a young breeding standard poodle and a young breeding golden retriever female. So I have a pack and they act like a, you know, a pack would because of the pups and all that. They have a hierarchy, but the poodles really couldn't care less. They don't, they just only when a, when a female's in heat and there's something to fight over, is there any pack trouble at all. The rest of the time, there's this old golden, the one I told you about, who fetches like mad. She's top of the pack. It's a default. She wins by default. There's no, there's no, I used to have a little blue healer who was ancient, who kept everybody in line, even the Rottweiler. But this, this is like the most mellow pack you could imagine because they're all retrievers. If I had a Jack Russell, it would try and take charge. So some of it is nature and some of it's attitude. 
but I definitely have a mellow pack. Even having said that, though, I've just, um, you know, had the puppies born on June 1st. Just recently, two weeks ago, was mating Sparkle, my golden. So the two males had to be separated from each other and from her. And, um, and then, I mean, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't like if they were tougher dogs like Dobies or, or um, well, there's so many dogs that would be worse. Almost any dog actually would be louder and more miserable and difficult to deal with being separate from that sort of a scenario with the smell in the air. But um, it wasn't too bad. Huskies and wolves would make so much noise. But then I'm reintegrating them now because now the puppies have been born and the other one is pregnant. And it's time for the, all the dogs to come back into the house. And so there is a little shuffling going on. And what you notice most when dogs are shuffling for pack order is stiff stance. They will stand extremely straight, dogs of the same gender. And with males, the male will try and get his head over the other. It's a contest. I'm taller than you. No, I'm taller than you. No, I'm taller than you. And eventually somebody says, okay, you're taller than me and kind of slouches or changes his posture so the other one is taller or will even bump his head into the other one's chin to say, yep, you're taller than me. And then they're fine. They'll go pee on something together and they're going to get along. But if both want to be taller, they will say, I'm taller, I'm taller, I'm taller with their heads getting faster and faster. And within seconds, they'll be fighting, biting each other's throats. So this is what you want to watch for. If you have a dog that has bad behaviors, you want to stop him from doing that. I'm taller than you. You want to have him on a leash and pull him back and make him heal instead and teach him that that's not the way we greet. Now, in my situation, somebody has to be top. So I just give them a huge area to run in and nobody to fight over and they settle it. And the older dog did eventually. Well, you see, he has backup though. The dominant female and him were sort of two, two teaming the young stud for a while and made him running him toward the pond. And eventually he tried to get sexual with the older retired female, which was really interesting to see because it was completely politics. If he was trying to be sexual, really sexual, he would be mounting one of the younger ones that actually is a mating partner to him and actually does smell of the cycles of birth. But this one, this is an old retired spayed dog. He was mounting her because he wants to be boss and she's boss of the pack. So it's very interesting politics going on. Mounting in dogs is usually not about sex. It's only twice a year that it would be about sex. The rest of the time, it's about politics. So try to remember that. And uh, don't be squeamish. Just, uh, you know, a dog will only take it for so long being bullied like that. It's bullying. If a dog is continually being mounted by another dog at some point, he's going to either get fearful and, and afraid and unhappy and maybe ill, or he's going to bite back. So especially true if a dog's older, has bad hips or, you know, the dog humping him may not be bugging him that much, but then it'll hurt. He'll get a shot of pain and he'll snap and that could lead to a fight. So don't let your dog mount other animals. Get in the way of that, interfere that because that's politicking. And if you're the leader of the pack, they shouldn't be doing any of this, right? If you're walking your dog and you're the leader, he shouldn't be mounting other dogs. It's a little bit different in a, a breeding pack scenario where ex I'm expecting all my dogs to play host and hostess to the camp good dog dogs who board. We do have to have a dog pack leader who's kind of second to me, but um, that's a little unusual here at Camp Good Dog. So, okay, I made a list of some other unusual things I want to share with you about some of my dogs. I want to tell you about Jack Russells and ping pong balls. If you have a Jack Russell and it's hyper and you can't get out, it's a rainy day or it's too hot or you just don't feel like it, try a ping pong ball or two. 
You laugh your head off. That dog will be bouncing off the walls. <laughs> and it's quiet, too. Quiet for the neighbors. Okay, so, yeah. They, I mean, the other day we were talking with Darlene Arden on the show, and, and she mentioned that Jack Russells are her favorite dog she never wants to own. And I felt bad that we gave them that, that little kick, that little backhanded compliment. So I thought I'd give them a little praise today. Uh, one time I did this photo shoot for the book cover, and uh, if you ever saw my book, Good Dog, it's out of print now. It, it was a bestseller. It was in four prints, but then when it came time to redo it, I decided to uh, do a DVD instead. So if you want to get the DVD, you can get it through, through the website here. You can click on it and get it, Dog Training That Works, and it's got a clip of Dogs Gone Wild, which is like bloopers, and I shot it with all real dogs here at camp that summer. No ringers. You'll see. They're bad. Like I show them bad doing their naughty little habit, and then I show how to fix it, and then I show them good. So you can see that they're real dogs jumping up and pulling and stealing and doing the things that dogs do. A basset who barks for food, you know. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and two dogs fighting and some bullying, some rivalry, some picking on a three-legged dog. I mean, everything I could possibly find that summer I threw into the DVD. So it's dog training that works, and it's got lots of games and great little tips. Check it out. Ten clips of it are on YouTube under Deborah Wolf if you want to get a sneak peek. All right. So, so uh, oh, yeah, when I made the book, I had to get the about five dogs for the photo shoot, maybe more. Mike, Ruby, five or six or seven. Anyway, everybody was good. I had a golden retriever, a ridgeback, a rough collie, Bichon Frise, a, a whole bunch of dogs. I tried to get every size, every type, tough dogs, sweet dogs, hairy dogs. You name it. And the one dog that wouldn't stay in the photo was the Jack Russell because the cameraman ignored me. He was on a tripod and he said, I'm just going to get a squeaky toy so I can get their, their ears cocked and their, and their attention. I said, if you get that squeaky toy and you stand on that tripod, you won't be able to get the Jack Russell to sit down. He said, oh, no, no, I'm really good with dogs. And up he went and up the Jack Russell went. And the whole bloody time the Jack Russell was airborne trying for the squeaky toy. And it's not that I couldn't hold him down or tie him up or whatever, but the shoe was supposed to look like us all relaxed lounging, no leashes, calmly, you know, in a group setting. Yeah, with this flying Jack Russell. So that didn't work. Okay, I'm going to come back and share some more about my dogs. And let's see. Oh, the deer wars. Do you have deer wars? What do you think about this? Uh, and don't take your dog to fireworks. Okay, stay tuned on Animal Party Pet Life Radio with Deb Wolf. Because the best is yet to come. Stick around. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright backings for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Back, go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson Animal Back today. Dyson, music to your ears. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. 
Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Jeff Werber from Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. We want to hear from you. Listen in. We're on every Thursday, 1 o'clock Pacific Time, 4 o'clock Eastern Time here on PetLifeRadio.com. We are one of the only live shows on Pet Life Radio, and I'm here to answer your questions. You can call in at 877-385-8882, or you can drop me an email to drjeff at PetLifeRadio.com, and hopefully we'll see you here on Thursdays. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. You're, you're, you're inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. Hello. We're back on Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with Deb Wolf. Well, we've got berry blasting wars and deer wars in the lower mainland, Vancouver, British Columbia. That's right. All over. All over Vancouver Island and Vancouver and just all over places, people are so upset over the berries. The berry farmers, they blast. They turn a timer on, and then every 20 minutes or so, all day long, these horrible sirens go off to scare away birds from eating their crops. We have beautiful blueberries here. I mean, amazing. Amazing, fat, juicy blueberries. I have them in my farm. They're just so good. You eat them right off the trees, right off the bushes. They're just so good. And they're not even as tall as you are. They're just, and they're teeming. Oh, they're yummy. But the birds like them too. Now, I put nets over mine, and that seems to do the trick. I don't know what their problem is, but they seem, maybe commercially that's not viable. They use these squawkers. That's what they're called, and that's what they sound like. And it's terrible for all the neighbors. I've seen some amazing border collies do some amazing work. I don't understand. Well, they can't replace the squawkers with dogs. I really don't. Dogs just run up and down chasing the birds because it's a flock that will try and land. And they chase them away. And then 10, 20 minutes later, another flock tries to land. And all day long, they need to do this. So why not get dogs? Why not train up dogs? Same thing for the deer. We've got deer wars. People want to go out and shoot deer. Now, some people think that's a great idea. There's so many of them. But a cycling older man was cycling in Victoria a couple days ago and got knocked off his bike by this deer, broke an arm, leg, you know, all this stuff, teeth, whatever. Major injuries to him. He's all in a cast and shown in the paper. And lots of this has been happening. Deer have been, you know, attacking people and running around playgrounds, attacking children, cyclists, all sorts of problems, eating everything. They're just a huge problem. So do you kill them and eat them? Do you feed the homeless? It's good meat. Or do you chase them away? What do you do? Do you leave them alone? I mean, some of the places that are overrun with deer have these rules where if your dog chases a deer, it's put down. I'm thinking of the Okanagan. I'm thinking of the Okanagan, people. What's with that? Same with the bunnies. You are overrun with bunnies. And yet you're policing the dogs like they're the problem. I don't know about that. You're going to have coyotes and wolves in no time. Well, you already do. So, so what do we do about all this? I say dogs. Of course I say dogs. In Grand Forks last year, they tried it. They tried it in a few towns in the Kootenays, and the dogs worked. Now, but their conclusion was the dogs didn't work. What? Okay, they say the dogs didn't work because when they removed the dogs, the deer came back. No, 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 no. That's proof the dogs work, people. Sometimes I just don't understand this. They need more dogs. They shouldn't move them around. They should have more. They should have enough so that there's some in every area to do the job. It's very simple. And that was one giant herd. So basically the dogs, as long as they were employed, they just followed the herd and kept them moving out of town. So, so simple. Oh, my goodness. We got to start thinking and using our animals better. 
Oh, I think I'm running out of time. There's only a few minutes left. So what should I tell you? Well, I was going to tell you some interesting things about my dogs, but I've already told you some. So I'll give you a Charlie update. Recently, I was talking with Darlene Arden, and she gave some advice to a groomer, Maureen, with her little dog, Charlie, that she didn't want, and Maureen really was ready to take the dog to the pound. She really was. She never wanted this dog. The dog landed in her lap. dog was piddling, but she called it pissing, and pooping everywhere on top of things, on the bed, seemed in a jealous way whenever she was cuddling with her daughter as well, but also just dog would come in from outside and pee everywhere, come in from outside and hide a poop under the sofa. Now, I thought the hiding was a good sign because it meant the dog had control and was just afraid. And I was trying to get Maureen to just walk it outside on a leash to the same spot every day. She was a little reluctant to do that because she has so many dogs. So we had her call Darlene, and Darlene added something extra to that. She said, get her to walk him out to the same spot every day, all the time, over and over and over. But also give that dog a treat, a really delicious treat. It never gets any other time at that time. Now, Maureen didn't want to do this because she doesn't believe in treat training. And I don't usually either. But we had a discussion about it after the show, and I said to her, you know what? Everything else you've tried hasn't worked. And if this works... Would it kill you to break your philosophy and just go with it for a while? I mean, the dog's had four homes in two years. It's a mess. It needs something. And the one thing it is going to understand is that very primitive reward of food. At this point, praise isn't cutting it or it would have been trained. And she said, okay, okay, I'll try. Anyway, long and the short of it is I've seen her three times since then. It's been over a week. And the dog has been peeing and pooing outside and not having accidents inside. And the 12-year-old girl is in charge. And um, she, when I've seen her, she is beaming. She's so proud of Charlie, who is no longer called the little pisser by me. I swear. I'm not calling him that anymore. I'm calling him cute little Charlie. I'm trying really hard. Okay. So, so thank you, Darlene. That's what we did for that little dog. Darlene's the author of Small Dogs, Big Hearts. And we did a show all about small dogs, big dogs, the differences, Rottweilers and such, the great things people don't know about different breeds. And we did that the last show, the very last episode. So if you want to look that up, it's the one before this one. Okay. So what haven't I told you? Well, I'm going to end the show with a few foods that may surprise you. The dogs love to eat. Not all dogs, but maybe your dog. Try them. Bananas. When your bananas aren't so good anymore and you want to throw them because they're a little too ripe for you, especially if you've got picky kids, but banana is still fine. Peel it because they're sprayed, so throw the peel away. And give the banana to your dog, see if she'll eat it. If she's pregnant or nursing, I guarantee she will because she'll want the potassium. But anyway, just try. Try bananas. Try apples. Try cooked yams. Try raw yams. Try carrots. Try any frozen vegetable if you've got a puppy. Bag of frozen vegetables, mixed cauliflower, broccoli, all that, you know, in a bag. As long as they're not tiny, tiny and the puppy won't choke, big pieces, frozen veggies. Oh, my goodness. Do puppies love those? But do it outside because as they melt, they make drippy messes. It's very funny to watch, though, a puppy go running off with a head of broccoli like he's got a bone. Very funny and very healthy for them. If you look on your favorite dog food, you're going to see on the ingredients list all these things. So don't sweat it that I'm giving you this information. Let me think what else is really surprising that they like. Cottage cheese, they love. Well, that's predictable. Eggs, cooked eggs, they love. Rice, meat, but all kinds of fruits too. A lot of dogs love berries. Just be careful. It might stain their little faces. It's pretty cute. Okay, well, that's some of the things that might surprise you. If you've got a dog that mats up badly, 
cornstarch. Keep some cornstarch. You know, the stuff you bake with. You just take a tiny little bit on your hands and you rub it into the mat behind the ear or wherever that knot is. You rub it, rub it, rub it. And what it does is it, it binds the glue, the glue, the oil of the, of the mat. And so then you can brush through with way less pain and way less hassle. And you might not even have to cut it out. Okay, what else in your closet? Okay, oh yeah, onion. Whenever you go camping or traveling with dogs or with kids or with yourself even, keep onion. Any kind of onion, green onion, white onion, doesn't matter. If you get a bee sting, immediately cut some fresh onion and rub it on that sting. The pain goes away fast, fast, even for a little kid, even for a whiny little dog. Oh, and that's one pet peeve of mine. I went to the beach the other day with my kids. Huge hike down this beautiful beach forest in Vancouver out near UBC. Huge hike down and um, beautiful, expansive beach. And anyway, I saw these people arrive just after us around noon. And they didn't leave when we left around five. And they had this tiny, tiny little teacup Yorkie. And they carried it down most of the way, which, you know, whatever, it can walk. But all day in the hot sun with no shade, and I didn't see any water. I'm betting they did buy it water. But no shade all day in the hot sun. And the dog kept trying to crawl under the lady. And she kept shooing it away. I'm too hot. I'm too hot. Well, he's too hot, you moron. Why are you taking your tiny little dog to the beach with no shade? That little dog can't regulate its temperature. Oh, I was so upset with these people. Sometimes I just wonder, if you're thinking of taking your dog to fireworks, just don't. There's glass on the ground. There's poison and toxins in the air and on the ground and settling. It will settle on his fur and toes and he will lick it off and he will ingest it. Never mind the noise and the people stepping on him, the chaos, the fear. Oh, come on, people. There's a good reason to leave your pets home. When you're going to the beach all day, if you're too lazy to bring a shade umbrella and proper cold water and a bowl, don't bring your dog. That's just not right. Okay, everybody. Hate to end on a negative note, so... I won't. I'm going to go positive. Let me think. Oh, here's a good one. They just discovered that most kids who have asthma outgrow it. They didn't think that was true. So if you've got a kid with asthma, have them retested. They might have outgrown it. They might not need their meds anymore. Anyway, the kids who have allergies to pets, though, don't usually outgrow their asthma. But, and here's, here's the big but, the happy but, kids who grow up with animals are far less likely to be allergic to them. Even kids who have mild allergies if they're with animals, will get over them better. So don't give away your pets because you're pregnant or expecting kids. If your kids have allergies, you might have to take steps like grooming the dog, brushing the dog outside, things like that with the cat. You might have to be more careful or you might have to pick a breed that's less likely to trigger allergies, like one of the non-shedding poodle-type breeds or poodle hybrids. But there's no reason to avoid animals. The more animals you've got before you're age five, before you're age eight actually, but especially when you're under two, the more animals you grow up with, the less likely you are to have asthma and allergies your lifelong. So everybody, be good to your animals. Until next time on Animal Party with Pet Life Radio and Deb Wolf. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.